sometimes when we're fearful, we try to pretend we're not. And so it's never really going to make you look at how can I work through this and acknowledge it. And it's like when people teach you to meditate, they say, you know, these thoughts will come in your head and they're like clouds. You can watch them pass by. You don't pretend they're not there, but you don't dive right into them. And I think fear is the same. You need to acknowledge Yes, this is fear. Okay, so what am I a bit scared of? And break it down and look at those little elements and then build up each element, which will then allow you to keep moving forward. Entrepreneur and fashion expert Trini Woodall feels that in order to thrive in midlife, we need to fear less. This is the Lizelle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all have a better second half. I'm Lizelle, and as regular listeners well know by now, I am on a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. Now, have you ever let the fear of doing something hold you back? I'll let you think about that for just a moment. For me, I guess, one of my biggest fears was ageing and how I was going to navigate the second half of my life. Newly divorced for the second time and pushing 60, I probably felt my most fearful a couple of years ago. You know, my team wanted to go loud and proud with 60 years young splashed all over the cover of my magazine and I was actually terrified. But we did it and I was overwhelmed by the messages of support and encouragement. So I guess I felt the fear and did it anyway, as they say. And now my age doesn't bother me as much and I recognise it as a gift, actually denied to many. Well, founder and CEO of Trini London, one of Europe's fastest growing beauty brands, Trini Woodall has overcome a lot in her life. Now she's distilled the lessons she's learnt into a brilliant new book. It's called Fear Less. It's packed with truly good advice on how to decipher the best beauty routine for your skin type, the best clothes shapes for your body. But that's all wrapped up in how these things can help you feel more you. And in fact, it always struck me when watching What Not to Wear, the TV show that Trini presented with Susanna Constantine, that it was ostensibly about what colours suit this woman's skin tone, but it was really about their self-worth and confidence in the world. So I want to chat to Trini about her own experience of ageing well and how it changed her understanding of food, exercise, hormones and all that. But first, in order for us all to go into 2024 feeling more able to be more us, do more, why should we look at fearing less? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Trini, welcome. It's such a pleasure. I've been so looking forward to this conversation with you. It was so lovely to finally properly chat with you as well. <laughs> I know. What a joy, hey? So mm. let's get straight into the book. Why is your book about fearing less? Can we talk about your relationship with fear and maybe how it's shown up in, in different decades of your life? I think it's, I mean, I think I wrote it on this because you and I come across many women, Liz, and fear stops us moving forward. So I wanted to write a book where women could tap into things that were relevant to them to realize that if they can look at that and look at it from a different perspective, they won't be held back. And and so it is, how do we stop ourselves being held back? But fear also can be physically in our body. We can feel this kind of rising sense of panic. We can feel butterflies in our tummy you know, that uncomfortableness around 
what are we going to do next? And I've had it a lot, Liz. I've had it, you know, each decade of my life and it's manifests itself in a different way. And sometimes I've worked through it really well when I've maybe grown up and had more tools, but definitely in my younger life, I was, you know, I had superficial fear, like I had very bad acne at 30 Mm. to about 30. And I was just slightly scared of what people, you know, they would talk to my spot and not to me. (laughs) And it just made me, it, it took away at my confidence. And I inside felt very different probably from how I projected myself, which was, you know, bravado. But I was just cripplingly fearful. A much younger age, I, I was, I went to boarding school quite early and I was, I was fearful because I found it difficult to make friends. You know, I mm. had gone quite early. My parents lived abroad. I went to a boarding school where lots of people didn't have parents who lived abroad. And I just thought I'd never have friends, you know. Mm. Um, I had a very popular older sister. And, right, that doesn't help. And that was like, you know, everyone was expecting me to be as funny and um, mischievous as she was. And I was quite quiet and and retiring. Really? And, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was. Um, I was. I built steam as I've moved, you know, in each decade. Mm. So, so I, you know, in the book I put, you know, each decade what I felt with those fears were around. You know, I've done work on myself in different eras in my 20s I went into rehab and I had to really work through fear and that's when I first discovered this book feel the fear and do it anyway like you said just now and it was a fantastic book and it was about the importance of you know acknowledging we have something because sometimes when we're fearful we try to pretend we're not and so it's never really going to make you look at how can I work work through this and acknowledge it And it's like when people teach you to meditate, they say, you know, these thoughts will come in your head and they're like clouds. You can watch them pass by. You don't pretend they're not there, but you don't dive right into them. And I think fear is the same. You need to acknowledge, yes, this is fear. Okay, so what am I a bit scared of? And break it down and look at those little elements and then build up each element, which will then allow you to keep moving forward. And I think in my 30s, I started to have a few more tools. You know, I had lots of lots of other little situations that happened. Well, some quite big ones. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I know I said that thinking that sounds really trite. But my, <laughs> well, I think my biggest fear as well was not being able to have a child. That was yes. a really big fear of mine. And I started on that journey in my, you know, sort of mid-30s and I had Lila at 40. Mm. And, and I did have that fear but I also lived in this situation where I thought each time where it went wrong because I did quite a few IVF and I had some uh, miscarriages I Mm. felt I'm going to keep going and that's something I probably think I've always had I'm going to keep going but I don't know if it will ever happen so I I, it was this real weird place I lived in for a few years the uncertainty is also very fear making I think yeah yeah so so yeah, there have been different life situations where I felt fearful. And then do I have the courage to say this? You know, that's a kind of more emotive thing as opposed to a physical thing that's happening in your life. And then, you know, in your 40s, obviously being a new mum in your 40s and building an amazing career. I mean, that is a lot for anybody. And the fear that comes with stepping into particularly entrepreneurship, I think, you know, from my own experience, you know, as a brand founder, every day is a school day and you suddenly realise how much you don't know. I mean, I don't know whether that was the case for you, but it was, I was almost, they talk about imposter syndrome, don't they? And and the fear of being found out. I hate the word imposter syndrome because I think it's unhelpful, especially to younger women. And it's used a lot in the last few years. And I talk about it with my team at work. I feel it's when you feel that sense that you don't know stuff, you can learn it, you know, Mm. and knowing you can Mm -hmm. learn it stops you putting this label on yourself of saying I'm an imposter, because you're not an imposter, you just need to know a bit more knowledge so that when you're in the room, and you don't know what somebody's talking about, it's important to ask questions and not worry that you might feel stupid. It's just that somebody else in the room is probably not knowing something as well. And they're so bloody relieved you asked the question on their behalf. And (laughs) that's a difference. Also, we talk about this thing in the team between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And, you know, fixed mindset will be very nervous to step out of things to reveal their lack of something. And a growth mindset is, is 
inquisitiveness and curiosity. And it's something that goes through my book of we, we need to really, how do we maintain a sense of curiosity? Because that's what will keep you stimulated in your life and never make you feel that you are not a part of life today. You know, that is one of the hardest mm-hmm. things of going down the path of life is when you gently, slowly detach from what is most happening in life today. And it makes you begin to feel like an outsider. And then your value to society you feel might be less and you retreat and I saw that happening to mm. my parents you know and I don't wish that right. to happen to myself I I think the importance of learning is crucial and when I became a CEO and this was more in my 50s actually in my 40s I was still in a way Liz not employed but I was at the behest of a TV channel or a newspaper column you know it was in my 50s I started my business and I knew that, you know, I was going to be, I'm probably three years into the business when we were then, or four years into the business and we were 150 people. And I thought I need to really understand how to be a good CEO. So I got a CEO coach and I still talk about CEO coach every couple of weeks. And we discussed just how I feel about how I'm of service to the company and in what way I am of service to the company. And in what way I lead and in what way I facilitate other people's growth. Uh, And it's taught me a lot about myself in this role, about when I'm fearful, how I behave generally. And, and I will be more tight, you know, with kind of, why isn't this, you know, there's that kind of when you're worried, you know, where do you go when you're worried? You either kind of throw it on somebody else or you, you become very demanding of the people around you as a way that your worry manifests itself, you know, and it's like looking at patterns of thing, the way we do things and thinking, how can I change that? Or, you know, how can I best propel this business forward? Nobody trains. Mm. I, 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 I love that. I love the fact that there's like continuing growth and development and, and learning and, you know, using the experts, realizing that we're, we're perhaps not expert. Of course, we're not in every area. Yeah. Well, and, I think getting it's, it's, in people it's, to help. You know, I think for me, it was using the experts with a coach. There's an American coach who, you know, coaches CEOs. But I need to learn stuff too. You know, if I'm CEO, Mm. I need to know about every single department and really understand it. I can't think, Mm. well, I'll let them just do it. I need to know what they're doing. So even now, I've just, you know, I've got a somebody is changing out in our business and I'm thinking I need to get really close to that whole team. And so I'm very hands on with this team and feeling I'm learning a lot more in that area now and I need them to know that I that I know more than them because their lead in that who probably knows more than me in that field isn't there Mm. so I've had to deeply submerse myself in this and and I've loved it actually because yeah you know it's made me look at the business from this area in the business from a different perspective and think how we can make improvements and sometimes when you have people change in the business it makes you really look, okay, how can we be doing this differently? So every day is a bloody learning day, Liz. Isn't it? Yeah. Every day is a school Mm. day. And I think thinking, you know, historically, you, you, you do talk very frankly about going into rehab. Were there particular lessons from that about harnessing fear? I mean, presumably, you know, what, what leads a lot of people into that situation in the first place is, is difficult life issues, which are perhaps overcome with other substances to overcome fear. So, you know, do they look at that in particular and perhaps, you know, overcoming negative thoughts and actions? Well, I think that I remember when I came out, what, you know, what rehab now is very different from rehab when I went. It was slightly more ruthless. Really? Yeah, it's a bit more right. hand-holding now. But I, um, you know, they strip you back and, and you, I think when you have some form of addiction uh, in your world, whether it's, you know, gambling, sex, food, alcohol, drugs, you mm. use it to fill a hole you know, in your life where you might feel this emptiness. Uh, so that might lead to you feeling fearful in situations. But I think it's that hole that's at the bottom of this. And uh, some people are depressed and they use for that reason. Other people, it brings on depression. I think it's a very chicken and egg situation around depression and addiction. But I do feel that you are, you know, you're, you're, and your addiction of choice is removed from you. So you're left with that empty hole and you have to fill it with nurturing things, you know, to kind of 
you know, there's that, we can talk about work on sort of inner child work and, and being kind to yourself. That definitely plays a part. But what happens because you stripped everything back and you stripped all those little tools that you use to present yourself to the world. I remember going down, I came back to London after about nine months away and I walked down the King's Road and I had a panic attack and I'd never in my life had a panic attack. And I just felt this, I thought, oh my God, what's happening to me? And it was because I just, it, I was this sort of raw little bit of jelly and I needed to, you know, I was gently building these layers of, I call it walking on, you know, before I think my lifeless had been, I, I would walk along and feel that um, that I wasn't walking on concrete. I was walking on sort of quicksand and at any moment I could be sucked in, you know. And I think uh, if I look at the biggest difference in my life between then and now, it's that I don't walk on quicksand. You know, I walk mm. on a brick. Mm. I know that the brick sometimes is is, you know, half a foot up, but I've got half a foot to trip, not a bloody, you know, yeah. or, or um, you know, uh, big, deep uh, cavern. And yes, and that is time. That's that's understanding yourself. It's it's not giving yourself a hard time, not, you know, judge. We judge ourselves so harshly against other people. I, I tend to judge myself against other people very, very minimally today. You know, I don't mm. like to look in other people's lanes. You know, when you build a business, you suddenly think, what is that business doing? Or what is this business doing? But I kind sure. of try and get the team to stay in our lane because quite a few yeah. people look at our business and say, what are they doing? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I do mm -hmm. like to stay in our lane and think, how can we improve what we do? And I think I try a little bit more now to do that in my life, that instead of, mm -hmm. you know, there was a, at my, at my um, school, there was this nun's prayer in the chapel I hate against chapel I really loved it. I wasn't <laughs> religious and it was a, a prayer saying you know in life there'll always be people who are above you and below you and better off you and you know you'll be better off than them that kind of where we sit in life and if we compare ourselves with the wrong things we'll always come out bottom so it is about how can we actually just stop comparing you know it's so yeah, there's a real toxicity yeah, isn't there yeah, about comparison I, I just it's it's like it goes hand in hand with me with gossip and just, you know, when I was much younger, I'd want to sort of have information to do with somebody because it gave me value to other people I told it to. That was the way, you know, when you're a teenager in early 20s, oh, yes, and I know so-and-so's diddle and they'll go, oh, how do you know? And you'd feel you had... Yeah, it's like a currency. Currency and knowledge. And mm. and um, and I don't I don't like it anymore at all. I, I, Good. I, I, I just feel, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> I, I I can't bear it when I, when I maybe very occasionally go out of an evening and and the room turns into chatting about other people. Yeah, yeah, it can be very negative. Mm. I mean, thinking about about negative things and in relation to fear, you know, is feeling fear always inherently bad, or can it actually kind of mobilize us into into action? Yeah, I think it's a really good point because I think you know when you starting your business and I was we were definitely full of fear terrified um, succeed <laughs> and you know is the stock going to arrive and uh, you know yeah. the wrong thing and will people like it and how am I going to get from A to B and just daily I mean you know it's and that's thrilling and scary at the same time but there is a thrill it's not just full fear there's this kind of Will I do this? Because this is where we could get to if we do that. You know, there was always mm. the counterbalance in it, which made you be able to propel through it. Yeah. I mean, you've spent so much of your life helping women to feel as good about themselves as possible. And I'm thinking about what not to wear in particular. Yeah. What are some of the most commonly held beliefs, perhaps, that you think are, are holding women back? I think depending on the age of woman, we can have messages when we're younger that really sit with us for years you know we can have a father who told us that we were a bit plump we can have one comment will do one it comment for the life. <laughs> for life and I think that you know that's why I do think although it's kind of sometimes challenging for somebody in their 40s 50s and 60s to navigate the delicacy of how we speak today I do think it's less damaging. There are other things that damage tremendously. Mm. I think there is a, you know, if I look at my daughter who's 20, there's definitely a language they use which is not a, 
you know, they would never talk about each other's bodies or, do you know what I mean? Right. There's, there's a kind of... Yeah, yeah, you're right. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's really good and I think that reverberates back to the parents and you have that awareness. Um, but I have met so many women who one comment has made them just uh, focus on feeling this part of them was terrible and so they can't get over it. So it's mm. always about how can you try and let them see themselves a different way because we get very used to what we choose to look at in the mirror and and mm -hmm. you know a lot many from you know many things i've done whatever situation it's been sometimes i take a picture of somebody and make them look at the photograph the way i take the photograph of them so whether it's we do a show right now which um we're sort of in between seasons but we do on youtube you know we make our own tv now which is just great mm. um and it's called yeah yeah i love that <laughs> And totally in control and love the edit and, mm. you know, not at the behest of advertising. Absolutely. But um, in that, I'll take women around and they'll have this definite view of their body. And every single woman I've ever met has, to an extent, a body dysmorphia. So if you look at yourself in the mirror, you'll choose how you control that journey. But if you have somebody else take a picture for you and then you look at that picture, you're slightly a step back from yourself. So you can then try and help somebody to say, look, look at the whole of you or look at how amazing the flow of your body is. You know, don't focus on mm. the sky that is the pain of your life or mm. whatever it might be. It's like always trying, how can you get back somebody to look at the whole of them? Because then they project the best aura that they are, for want of a better word, aura being the joy that they have in their life. And then people respond differently to you and see all mm. of that instead of, sometimes it's like manifestation. If you think all people are looking at is my thigh, maybe all they <laughs> will look at is your thigh. I mean, there is a little bit of that too, but yeah. I do think that you can help people to see themselves differently. I mean, you're, you're, you're very good at that. I, it just reminds me of an experience I had recently. My, my younger daughter, Brella, who's 22 and quite funky, I've got um, a much younger boyfriend who decided that he was going to take me clubbing in Ibiza this year because I've never been. Yeah. And of course, what do you wear? Mm. I mean, it's like mm. I had nothing. Mm. So she took me on a shopping trip and she got me in like skin tight leopard print trousers and a, and a chainmail dress. And I mean, way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But her encouragement and she took pictures and mm. actually I thought... Do you Why know not? what? I think I could probably get away with yeah. this. I want to know and I did. your boyfriend. Uh, he's 43. I just, just turned 44. So like 17 I, years I younger. just love this. This is enormous. <laughs> I just, I, all I want to talk about now is your 43-year-old boyfriend. And how about you? Do you do you have a chap? What's what, what's your love life like? You can't use the word chap. You writ that age. Can you not? That aged you so quick. Okay, okay. Oh, I, I, what, what do I say? A guy, a man. I say to me, Liz. <laughs> what a chap. My father, my father would say that actually. I think uh, a lover is what I want. A lover. You're a lover. Um, yeah, I, I, but this has actually recently come up in conversation because, um, you know, just, you know, my friends feel, okay, you've been on your own now for six months. Is it time that we can start presenting some people to you, you know? Um, I love that. Yeah. I, I was, after my divorce, I was on my own for over two and a half years. And yeah. actually, it was quite terrifying because I got married the first time at 18. And then that was quite a long marriage. And then, yeah. you know, and, and the second marriage relatively straight away after that. And Well, how old were never, you the second marriage, Liz? I was, what was I, 30, 38, maybe? Yeah. 30, 30, no, 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 younger, 33, 34. Yeah. yeah. And so never having been on my own and, and being this woman in my late 50s, thinking, well, that's it then, isn't it? And actually realising that the only way I could kind of be perhaps more lovable is to be comfortable on my own and in my own skin and do things I'd never in my life done before, like go to the theatre on my own and just yeah. sit literally in a seat for one yeah. and actually have quite a nice time yeah. dating myself. And then, lo, you know, perhaps when you're least expecting it, you know, somebody pops along. How did you meet? Uh, that is a whole other podcast. <laughs> But so, so yes, uh -huh. I think it's, it's interesting, you know, when you were talking at the beginning and you were talking about going into your sixties and how awful that was, mm. I'm asking myself, why is it I don't feel that at all? Mm. And I don't want to. And you're, and you're, you're how old now? I'm going to be 60 in February. So, ah. um, mm. I don't. 
I don't feel that. And I don't, I want to know why no, I don't same. feel that, but I really don't feel it. I feel that I'm, I'm only halfway through my life. That's, that's I, how I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we probably are, you know, I've, I've yeah. written a, a book on longevity that's coming out next year and I fully aim to hit 120. And, you know, so, so, oh, I love that. Let's have the whole podcast about this conversation. Yeah. You know, it's about aging well. And we know there are hacks that we can do. And, you know, with the advances in modern medicine and how we live, you know, I am fitter, stronger, happier at 60 than I was at 50. Yeah. And why can't that trajectory continue? Why cannot that journey be the same, the progression when I'm 70? Mm. I'd be in an even better place. Yeah. But let's pause here, but don't go anywhere because we will be chatting about navigating our way through life and aging well in just a moment. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, then. Challenge accepted. Let's talk about getting older and aging and aging well. You say that you're going to hit the milestone of 60 that I've just passed next year. What are your strategies? What do you make a conscious decision in the morning to think, right, okay, this is my checklist. This is what I need to do in order to age well. I think I began to take that decision when I went to, when I finally found a woman who understood hormones properly. And I'd been to so many people in England and as much as I'm sure there are brilliant people in England, I didn't find it here. So I went to America and I met somebody mm -hmm. who has written about 11 books on hormones and is really good. Sorry, that's some drilling outside my house. We're just going to have to deal yeah, with that. We'll, we'll and, <laughs> and she changed my whole uh, belief in this. And I, you know, I'd gone into menopause at about 43, but I didn't Gosh, find her until I was about yeah. 48. Mm -hmm. No, That's 49 tough. maybe. And I had four years here in England of just seeing these just crackpots or people who felt they knew stuff or classical doctors mm. knew jack shit. And so she did about 28 tests on me. Nobody had ever done that, including my memory and a ton of things. And, you know, I, I, I began the journey slowly of just having the right body identical hormones um, and then uh, introducing other things and introducing supplements that to me, you know, are really important supplements from glucine to ashwanga to, you know, supplements to vitamin ADKs to um, mm. peptides as well. I do a lot yeah. of work with peptides, um, including, you know, I, I just, I believe in peptides, the power of peptides, different peptides. Mm -hmm. uh, so I then took it to the next stage, which I think is something that's really challenging for a lot of women but it has to be addressed, which is the relationship you have with sugar in your life and having to say, 
I've got to put down something if I want to pick something else up and how just really learning and you know this Liz because we're looking at each other now and you you know this and you've probably talked this endlessly on your podcast but sugar's glycation of your body the internal disintegration of your body is accelerated by inflammation which sugar is one of the main feeders and I just kind of got it I got that I understood it you know I also follow the glucose goddess and all these different yes sometimes good or not but I do actually think she's very good and I just know I think when we go on a journey of thinking I want to look after my body so that it will look after me then you start to really feel your body so you know in that testing period of of how much am I going to put down sugar I you know I'd eat some chocolate not dark I still eat dark chocolate but I'd eat sugar and I'd feel my ankle swell you know I could feel the acceleration of the inflammation of my body and I thought if it's if I am if my ankle's a bit swelling when I eat sugar my god what's happening to the rest of my body and that was a real wake-up call. And I just thought, actually, I've got to do that. And, you know, Dr. Erica is very much, when you are in your 50s, you you cannot drink wine. You just, you can't. No. Like, if you want... It's, it's, it's wine, sugar in a glass. Sugar just have glass. a vodka and soda or something. Yeah. And also if you're a drinker as well, uh, I think, for mm-hmm. depression. And, and the way, and I think also what I understood is past menopause, the way food and things affect you is so different. So is running good or is strength training good? You know, is it building up you know, strength in your body. I love strength training because every time Mm. I do it, I don't think I want flat abs. I have good abs. I think I'm going to be able to put my hand on that rock and maybe get to base camp in Everest. You know, it's like I will be able (laughs) to lead my team for another five years. You know, it's just like it gives me emotional strength when I suddenly do, you know, I used to do two kilos for 10 years, I just thought, oh, it's strength training. And now I'm like, I went to decathlon and I got the 15 kilo bell. Brilliant. Oh my God, this is exciting. Yeah. And the challenge. It really is. It's empowering. And in oh. that, that feeling of physical fitness and strength, I think, gives you emotional resilience and strength too, because you you, you feel that you can cope. You're, you're emotionally resilient as well as physically strong. And of course, you know, physically on a, a physical level, as particularly midlife women as we age, you know, building stem cells and creating muscle mass and bone density and all those things is is just vital. I'm a massive fan of weights, but I probably only picked up my first weight in my mid to late 50s. Me too. And was fearful of it. I thought it would bulk me, but actually yeah. it's kind of streamlined yeah. everything. Yeah. I think the hardest thing I have is with sleep because I'm I'm not an early bird or, a you know, I, I'm both. So I get up early and I go to sleep late, which is not good. And that's the other thing. That's so if I think, you know, what's my challenge right now? My challenge right now is get to bed by 10, Trini. Don't get to bed by midnight and get up at 6.45 because by Thursday, my body yeah. is so tired. Like today, I've had a very challenging week and I've, I've you know, been up at 6.30 and I've got to bed at midnight every day and that's not because mm. I've gone out every night I've done a few things going out but it's because I've been getting home and there's just at the moment a lot of work so yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to clear my desk a bit and I need to pace myself so that's where I need to listen to my body and say okay you know I got to get home and I've got to get to bed by 10 so that's my mm. sort of thought I've had in the last few weeks and what happens with me is that I don't change anything but I keep thinking keep thinking keep thinking and then I think actually I got to do it. Mm. And do you have a, a sleep routine that would help with that? You know, do you like take magnesium before bed or wear blue blocking glasses, you know? Yeah, well, I it's, yeah, I haven't gone to the extent of you should have nothing in your room that's electrical and put down your phone two hours before because that's, for me, that's not life. But mm. I take magnesium, I take progesterone. I take actually yeah. a very good new supplement called Relax by Kismet, which I love. Mm. And What's I've just, in it? I don't, I'm going to, I mean, I, it's actually was started by a war correspondent. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really weird, but he sent it to me forever. And I did, I, he kept saying, have you tried it yet? Have you tried it yet? And actually, let me get the name of it because I but just. There are some, you know, incredibly powerful sleep supplements. Well, while Trini is out of the room. I mean, some of the things that I use, obviously, magnesium, magnesium glycinate, looking at things like Montmorency cherry, which sounds a bit kind of just botanical. And I've now come back into my daughter's bedroom where we're doing this podcast. because Okay, so what's it got in it? It's Calm Assist. Oh, I know Calm Assist, Tim Samuels. Yes, exactly. Nutrigenomics. 
Yeah, and so it, that's the relaxed formula. Yeah. yeah, is that the one with Montmorency cherry in it? I was just talking about that. It's got, but I think it's really interesting because I've tried lots of. Uh, there's zinc in it. There's the cherry. Well, cherry night powder I used to take years ago, which is always quite good. That crushed cherry night powder. Yeah, um, for it's helping of, with melatonin. I mean, that's yeah, and five HTP. That's kind of the way it's working. I take a lot of NNMs. So well. do I. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I then in the morning I, I tend to yeah, take I that. take four it in the morning, and then I take ashwagandha only in the afternoon and evening. So mm-hmm. I think I have this routine. I do take about twenty supplements in the morning and about ten in the evening. So I do. <laughs> I, do, I do rattle um, and oh. I take ingenious collagen in the morning. I take about six yep. of them. I stuff Same. them up. Same. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's huge similarities there. Yeah. Interesting that you, you know, you talk about progesterone for sleep, which is I, I, t- I take utrogesterone, so I take that at night too, and helping with sleep. You've talked, I've heard you talk before about testosterone, which yeah. presumably you take, and that's interesting because you've got a history in the past of acne and I've spoken to girlfriends who are terrified of picking up testosterone because they think it's going to trigger uh, yeah, a I recurrence mean, of acne but was that your experience no and I think it's so about the delivery system because when I did I did in England with somebody who didn't really know what they were doing and I did break out and it put me off doing right um, doing it and I was like oof and when I was with Erica and she said you got to do it. And in England, they don't yeah. actually prescribe it here. And um, mm. she prescribes it. So I do testosterone in the morning and I do a testosterone shot sort of four or six times a year. Whenever I'm in New York, she gives me a testosterone shot as well. Really? Just like an injection yeah. of, of testosterone? Is, is that an implant or is that an actual no, like, jab? You know, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curious. I might have longer men, you know, the beard can slightly develop. And I say that <laughs> as an exaggeration, Liz, but, you know, I might maybe think I've got eight of those um, Nanny McPhee hairs as opposed to three, uh, but not much. Yeah, more but you just that. need a pair of tweezers and a magnifying mirror. Come on. I mean, and, and the benefit of the testosterone compared to a couple of chin hairs. It's phenomenal testosterone. I think it's it should be prescribed here as a part of a treatment. Of course it should. And then also I know that I will take forms of HRT until I die. That's the other thing I cannot bear in the old-fashioned classical way of prescribing, which is let's let help you get you through menopause. And there is so much evidence now. And my lovely woman in America speaks at so many symposiums and has written a lot of papers for medical journals in America on, you know, actual the prevention of certain breast cancers and the prevention of of certain heart diseases in women by continual use of um, types of HRT and having a stronger body and having a, a body that does not mm. age i mean hrt stops no. the body aging as as much as it it normally would and it's like it's we should take it till we die i love that okay so we now do need to move on i think to some of your specialist areas which of course is things like makeup and clothes and we are coming up to the festive season do you have any any golden rules or are you somebody who could just goes hey listen the rule is there are no rules i think the rule is a sequin <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> I, do. I mean i just i think there is definitely that issue that will come up and only be spoken about more which is it's plastic which isn't great but there are lots of recycled sequins now etc i mm. i always will pull for something with an element of sequin for the festive season i just do the two go together like christmas pudding and brandy butter you know? <laughs> and they can bring joy but i think to wear the sort of sequin with a black trouser can be nice but it's how can we feel ageless when we dress and i think for many women when they go through their 50s and get into their 60s and, and we're both in that time, mm. you you know, things that worked for you, perhaps even two years before, suddenly you put on and you feel, <laughs> you know, and just like, who am I? And and it's interesting because when you talk about, you know, your daughter put you in leopard. Yeah, going to Ibiza for heaven's sake at 60 that's for not the first what I'm time. talking about, interestingly. <laughs> I think it's more when we try to do little girly and we're grown right. women. And so grown women can be sexy and wear leopard skinny trousers. But that little girly frilly high waist is something for me that I now know everything in my wardrobe that resembles that is not my way as this ageless woman to feel sexy and cool. And I think you Mm. never want to stop feeling that you could feel cool in how you're dressed. You know, that somebody would look and say, you look so cool. Or you look, you know, it's it's one of the biggest compliments a woman in her 60s can have. 
to look cool. Well, I mean, you, come on, you are the epitome of cool. And I think a lot of people are, are fearful of wearing colour. I, I love the fact that you smash that. I love that vivid yellow that is just, you know, your signature. I'm fearful of colour. I remember in my, you know, my 40s, 50s, I just lived in black. Actually. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. a bit of dark brown. But mm. <laughs> and, and getting into that colour is, yeah. is, is a challenge, actually. Even things like wearing a bright red lipstick, I, I feel that it wears me. I'm not wearing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's all about navigating where you sit in colour, because the, the first rule for me of colour is what colours do I suit and what tones do I suit? And we had years ago, the sort of autumnal, um, like house of colour. Oh, yeah, you were spring, yeah. summer, autumn, yeah, winter. Which I remember yeah. my sister did a franchise with it and diagnosed me and I was in autumn and I was like, these colours really don't suit me. I don't like them. <laughs> uh, and um, And I just... I'd always found some people who had done that. They sort of had colours that suited them, but then they didn't, it just didn't, there was something jarring. And I always, when I developed Trini London and I was looking at makeup and I wanted, you know, women who were not in their 20s to come online and buy makeup, which is a most challenging audience to do that. I wanted to think of what's really difficult in the makeup counter and how can I make it easy, actually easier by coming online? So it was around the paradox of choice. So how can I refine choice? So for me... It was how do I develop something where I really know from your skin, hair and eye what colours you suit and I will provide you makeups that suit. So you might have always thought I don't like red lip, but the few red lips people might have put on you might have been quite cool or might have been quite matte and you should be shiny. There's about there's two things here. There's colour, there's there's clarity of the colour and there's texture. And that applies to both makeup and clothing. So match to me what it does is you put in your skin, hair and eye and it will say you suit these colours in your makeup. And I did that first. That was my first thing I did. And when I did the book, I took the technology we had developed and I worked it backwards, which is really a weird thing to do because I spent, you know, I have a tech team of 40 people and we do a lot around personalization, and we're doing stuff around AI now to even mm. go to personalization further. But I had to take that, wind it all back and put it in a book. It was really weird. And then I thought, okay, how do we do it? Let's... Let's give you a, you choose your hair color and you put a, you know, there's a number one to eight and you choose the number that's your hair color. And, and then you do the same with skin and eye. And, and there's things around eyes, little tricks in deciding what you suit. Like I always find if somebody has an eye where there's a very dark bit around the outside of their eye, they can generally oddly wear black. It's one of those quick little rules. Like, you know, in an inky list, when you see halfway down, there's an ingredient which you know can only be at a maximum at 1%. So if somebody says, mm. I've got so much vitamin C, but it's under that ingredient, you think you're a fucking liar. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's this little trick that can help you. Yes. I do find that with eyes. And I then just thought people are, you know, they're cool, cool, neutral, 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 warm or warm. That's that grading. And that grading allows you to say, you know, if I'm warm, I wear very, I wear dirty shades. I wear, if I wear yellow, it's mustard. If I wear orange, it's rust. If I wear red, it's the dirtiest tomato that's aged. It's like an aged tomato. If I wear blue, they're all cool. So it can only be teal going towards the green. And then right at the other end on cool, cool. You know, everything is very cool. It must have no warmth in it. There's going to be a lot more blue, a lot less sort of yellow orangey shades. And and so then it allows you, once you've got this palette, to then think, okay, so then what I did. So in the book, we then have the colours you suit, all right, in these. Mm -hmm. So then I went back and I thought, how can that be even better online again? <laughs> so I went back right. online. Uh, because the biggest challenges for people when they want to wear colour is, OK, I'll try this colour, but what do I wear it with? And they revert back to black, which is my bugbear. So I then did a whole load of work online. So now if you do match to me and you put in your skin, hair and eye, you get your makeup that you suit exactly the matches. But underneath is the blocks of the colours that are in the book. So it says you're a cool. So you show the colours. If you click on a colour and it will show you a complementary and a contrasting shade that go with it. It was me for six months with the Pantone book until three nice. in the morning. But it really then <laughs> helps people to say, okay, I want to wear tomato red. I suit this warm red. So what do I wear it with? Well, you could wear it with a lovely dirty orange. You know, it would be beautiful mm. together, that red and orange, instead of red and black, which is, yes. you know, Saint Laurent's signature thing, but it's actually very harsh with each other and it makes sometimes colours look cheap. You know, colour colours love colours. They love their friends. Interesting. And, and mm. then there's, and if you want to do, like I love 
khaki, which is a weird shade, goes with so like khaki and turquoise is amazing. Khaki and orange mm. is amazing together. You know, and you could just do the gent. You could do an orange jumper with khaki trousers, and you suddenly think, "Wow!" And so much better than a black trouser with orange. So yes. it's having some inspiration. So I hope the book gives inspiration. But also, I would say looking at nature. If you don't get my book, look at nature. So if you look in a fire, what are all those different colours in a fire? If you go outside and it's autumn, think of the oranges and the rusts and the reds and the you know the bark all of the together, mm. all together, and just think whenever you look at scenery that's the most pleasing. They are colours that go together. When you look out at a beautiful Caribbean sea, you know, the palm tree and the sea and the, everything goes so beautifully together. The green and the blue and the sand. And that's the what yellow. we want to do yeah. on our bodies. And then people look at us like we're this beautiful piece of scenery. <laughs> <laughs> a work of art. I love it. Okay, so just to finish off then, we are coming up to the festive season. You talked about a little bit of sparkle and sequin. Fashion-wise, I think a lot of women, particularly our age, are shy of sparkle and shine on the face. Mm-hmm. Is there a makeup rule then? Should we be going for the glittery eyeliner or like a big swerve? I think it's just another old wives' tale. And it's <laughs> what brings you bloody joy, you know? And mm. there's all, you know, this thing I was told I shouldn't wear red lips because it makes my teeth yellow. Crap, you know? It brings joy <laughs> to your face if you wear the right bright. And also, a, 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 um, it's about a bright lip. It's not about it has to be red. That's the other thing. It could be sort of apricotty or shocking pink or fuchsia, you know. Um, but I think on the eyes, you know, many women, they get a slightly hooded eye and they think, what shall I do? First of all, I'd say do the anti-hood exercises. Get your little fingers like they're little, you're going twit-twoo and you're putting pushing your fingers up by your brows and then you push down you know, against that. You get that muscle between your eyebrow and your eyelid to get a little bit active and shortened so that you can actually have more real estate above your eyes to put makeup on. Mm. And it's staggering the change. But if so you a bit don't... like gua sha, you know, like you're using well, a crystal. I think it's better tool. than gua sha. Gua sha, okay. you know, gua sha's good, but like you're doing this, Liz. You're getting... So get your... Everyone listening, just try and do so. Pinch forefinger and thumb together. Yeah, like you're yeah. going, okay. Like if you're saying, okay sign. saying are you okay? Mm-hmm. And you go, I'm okay. And you do A-OK, that sign. Yeah. All right. And then you get that and you put that up and you settle that into your eye socket. Like you're going to, like you're sort of saying, I'm I'm Captain Beagle and I'm flying right, wearing okay. glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Well, I can really feel it. There's a pressure point, isn't there, at the top yeah, of the nose exactly. and, and where your eyebrows yeah. kind of join your forehead. Yeah. And then you mm. gently are trying to close your eyes, but keeping that pressure on your eyelid, not on your eyelid, on your eye, you know, Mm. on your eyebrow as you pull down your eyelid. And you do it about 30 times. And then when you release, you'll literally feel that your eyelids have gone up, your your eyebrows have gone up. I mean, look now, even on this, we're looking at each other's So I think once you look at your skin there, and also, you know this, Liz, but so many of us, we do our skincare routine, we never put bloody peptides there or a little serum there moisturizers on eyelids yeah or eyebrows make them hydrated because you're going to have a better base and then I'd always say I love a little bit of sparkle but where you put it is important so put it where you'll see it so the inner corner of your eye could go around the inner eye ducts and come out at the bottom you could get a little shimmery pencil and just go above a bit and below a bit and then put matte probably in the outer corners of your socket. And then if you have a hooded eye, you want to, I always get my finger and I just push into my brow bone um, because we have cream-based shadow, so it's easy. But I push into my brow bone so that when I, my eyes are open, there's a little bit of colour above my bone because lots of people put the colour and you open your eyes and there's no colour there. And you need to sort of open your eyes up and it would do that. And then have that shimmery bit, put it over what I call the sort of bird's, head of your eyeball you know just in that center bit just get a lovely bit of right sheen in the center and and press Pulled it off. in mm. and you'll just mm-hmm. you'll feel more festive it's it's you shouldn't feel I can't and then some people think oh, I can't wear shiny things on my lips you could do miracle blur first and, and prep your lips but you you know don't feel afraid mm. and, and glow this is I want to talk about glow can I just talk about glow for a second I think glow. About yeah yeah let's go for glow feel that you're looking well so it is you know Liz and I would say it's a skincare routine first because you've got to get your skin really <laughs> oxygenated do yeah. some massaging you've got to exfoliate with a few liquid soft acids and get that glow going but then once you've got to that place you know I love to put highlighter on my skin around the the cheeks and then I put my 
coverage on after because a lot of people are scared of highlighter and you know things like that they might just do mm. everything with a bronzer thinking that makes them look well but to me wellness of skin is to see a glow of skin that it's really alive and I think sometimes putting the matte bronzer on is with that let's not talk about how dirty that brush is because I think no woman cleans it every night but you should consider and it. And it just deadens the, the face it's flat. Yeah and then mixing mm. your blusher if you have a blusher and liquid blusher with a tiny bit of highlighter you just then wear, put your blush where you normally put it and you'll find you get this glow to your cheeks. So if you do have a shitty skincare routine, and really I don't know why you're listening to Liz and I if you do, but, you know, she must have told you <laughs> endless times the joys of having an amazing skincare routine. And But if you're thinking I've been a bit lazy and my skin looks dull, it's the quickest way to look like you have a good skincare routine. <laughs> so right. things like that, I think, during the festive season when we're a bit tired and we might have, you know, just burned the candle at both ends a bit, you need that that feeling that you've had 12 hours sleep on your face. Love it. Love it. Trini, I could talk to you for hours. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for just sharing so much, you know, emotionally, resilience wise, fearing less, practicalities. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. It was so lovely talking to you. Oh, Trini, thank you so much again. Such a pleasure to spend some time with you. Let's do it again. Well, I would be so interested to hear about your relationship with fear in particular. Are you conscious that you allow it to limit you? Or perhaps you feel the fear, but you do it anyway. Well, do come and chat on Instagram at Lizelle Wellbeing. That's my team and me. And then I am on there personally at Lizelle Me Too. Well, what are you and yours cooking for the festivities? I wonder if you are not sure yet, do head over to lizellwellbeing.com. Always lots of delicious recipe ideas on there. And that's also the place to go if you want to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's filled with plenty of tips for living well, surviving festivities and thriving into the new year ahead. And I tell you what might make a lovely last minute Christmas present. How about getting someone you love an Apple podcast subscription to this podcast? Yes, for just a small monthly fee, they will get early access to ad-free episodes of the show. You will be helping them make 2024 their healthiest, most vibrant year yet. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 